I once had a psychic tell me that when she looked at me, the lyrics from the pink song ran through her head, specifically the lyric, I'm a hazard to myself. At this point in my life, I had to agree with her. I was a hazard to myself. Some parts of my life were literally running off the rails. I was stressed. My coping mechanisms were anything but healthy. I felt stuck, stuck in a pattern of procrastination, disorganization, and maybe even self-sabotage. Welcome to episode 127 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, professional keynote speaker and author. And today I am joined by Susie Hayes, a psychotherapist, life and business coach, hypnotist, and author who helps people get freed from stuck. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. When I'm feeling stuck in a pattern that doesn't serve me, I generally feel like I have a block in front of me preventing me from making the right decisions. I'm not sure where these blocks come from and why I let them stand in the way of my progress or my success. Does this ever happen to you? I'm gonna guess the answer is yes. This is what our guest today is here to discuss. Susie is the author of Freed From Stuck, Dare to Cross the Bridge Beyond Grief, Trauma, and Self-Sabotage to Discover Lasting Change. And today she is here to break down the different types of blocks that may be holding us back, as well as how we can move past them. Susie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So in the intro, I shared a little bit about how I've experienced blocks, things that stand in the way of perhaps me being my best self. And I know that through your almost 40 years of work, you have identified five of the most common blocks that people encounter. Can we break those down a bit, those five blocks? I cannot recite those five blocks from my head right now. From the I, can. I can. Can I can you? Give them to you. <laughs> All right. You could give them to me. Okay. And I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz today. <laughs> uh, you give them to me and I'll comment on them. Okay. How about that? Will that work? That works perfect. So the Good. first block is external blocks. So what are those? These are actually external experiences that can stand in our way. It can have to do with commitments that we have, locations where we are, limitations with regard to education or opportunity. And often we confuse those with what's actually an internal block. Mm. So that was the next block, internal block. What are internal blocks? Internal blocks are really those challenges that we have inside that have to do with our belief systems and our emotional state belief systems that we sometimes grew up with no longer serve us as we mature through our life. And so it's important that we examine those beliefs about ourselves, about others, and about how the world operates. Hmm. So the next one is emotional blocks. Yes. And this can be often about emotions that are either toxic or that we have become stuck in a certain emotional state. Grieving is very important. However, if we're not moving through that, and uh, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, 
it can hinder us from getting to where we want to be in terms of our quality of life. What other emotional blocks might there be besides grief? There can be most predominantly fear. If you kind of boil down most of the emotional blocks, it has to do with fear. It can masquerade as anger or disappointment, having Mm. to do with betrayal or somehow feeling that something has happened to us where we feel victimized. Those can all be states that we need to examine carefully in terms of being able to move forward. Okay. This one, I don't know anything about. So I'm very curious, perpetual blocks. What's a perpetual block? These are really about patterns that have developed for us that keep reoccurring. It's kind of the idea of if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you got. Yeah. And so uh, a perpetual block is something that keeps reoccurring. We return to a pattern that hasn't served us well, and uh, it just keeps us stuck. Why do you think we do that? Why do we go back to a pattern we know doesn't serve? I mean, I think I'm guilty of it. So I'm asking. Absolutely. Yes. It's a good point, Julie. And we're, we all do that. And we do that because that's part of our survival mechanism. Mm. That's how our brain and nervous system works with regard to developing patterns or habits that it's designed that way so that we can quickly and instinctively return to patterns that serve us. Mm. What becomes problematic for us, however, is that if we're not getting the results, then we tend to stay stuck where we're at. And so we return to those, not because they're comfortable, but because they're familiar and Mm. often because they're instinctive. Okay. And then the last block is unconscious blocks. What is this? These are the things that reside in the non-conscious part of our mind. These are often very powerful beliefs that have to do with what we learned from those early on in our life that were our caregivers. Mm. And they can often also be related to losses or trauma. Okay. I know you're a hypnotherapist and this is unbelievably fascinating to me. I have been hypnotized before. I'm not going to say for fun because that's putting it lightly, but it was like in high school where they had a hypnotist come in and, and let me just tell you, I went out like that. Like I'm like, I am the easiest person to hypnotize. I want to talk a little bit about hypnotherapy and how you work with people and what that does and what it taps into in our brain to help us move past these blocks. Hypnosis, uh, when people ask, I don't know if I can be hypnotized, and you just said how easily you realized you could be, I say to people, do you watch TV? And they go, well, yeah, sure. And I go, then you've been hypnotized. Because hypnosis is really about going into an altered state of relaxation where we become receptive to whatever messages are being given to us. So, of course, media and marketing have understood this for decades. Mm. And it's, it's very powerful because once we go into that state, we're receptive emotionally. And so that can either be detrimental in that we can find ourselves you know, making purchases or doing things that in retrospect, we go, why, why did I do that? 
or it can be used very positive as in clinical hypnotherapy. You were talking about hypnosis for the purpose of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I just want to assure people that no one can be hypnotized against your will. Meaning if you're not open to quacking like a duck or, you know, I don't know, wagging your tail like a dog, if you have no desire to participate in that, you're not likely to be suggestible. So that's important mm -hmm. for people to understand is that it is a vulnerable state, but it has to be a vulnerability in a setting where there's trust. So in terms of how hypnosis is very powerful with regard to the change process, that it allows a person to open up to positive and changing directives given by the hypnotist Mm -hmm. that go underneath the defense system directly to the non-conscious mind and to give those directives to the mind at that level and or to resolve conflict in terms of the directives given so that wherever those blocks are internally that are out of someone's awareness, it helps release those or realign those with a person's true values and what they really want in terms of their quality of life. So how does that go hand in hand with a normal route of therapy? Like how does that work together with overcoming obstacles and boundaries? Like how do they go hand in hand? I actually developed a protocol several years ago that I use in the work that I do that I don't know of another clinician who does this, but I found it to be very effective in that when I'm working with someone in a coaching or a counseling setting, we do what is called that talk session where we have the conversation about what's important and what's prominent in terms of going on at the conscious level. From that, I use that information from that session, and I actually write a script and record an MP3 based upon the information in that consultation, and I send it to a client for them to listen to every day, mm -hmm. at least once until our next consultation. And the purpose of that is that it is a lasered way of focusing on what is being worked on and it allows someone to reinforce that through repetition mm -hmm. in that deep relaxed state. And it's also then a resource that someone can use really for the rest of their lives because they can always go back and refresh. Mm -hmm. Because what we know about the non-conscious mind is that repetition is really important in terms of reinforcement. Mm -hmm if you will, the grooves in the brain where habits have been formed never really go away, but they become less charged when they're used less. And so as we develop patterns that are stronger and healthier and more in alignment with who we are and what we want in our lives, those default patterns kind of fade to the background. But what's it really important for people to understand is they don't go away, mm -hmm. which is why when there are stress points for us, sometimes we default. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that not as a way of discouraging them, but to help them understand 
But that's part of that preservation system in our mind to give us that default place to go to. Mm-hmm. So what we know is that the more that we reinforce and repeat those new patterns, particularly with a strong emotional charge, then it serves us well in terms of developing the new patterns. Yeah, I know. I mean, just from a quick hit kind of standpoint with um, hypnosis, my stepfather did it to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many sessions he went to, but it worked. And I mean, cause he is like, I mean, you know how they were in the 70s. Like, you know, he was, he was a chain smoker and he want, couldn't quit and he tried to quit and couldn't quit. And then he did hypnosis to quit smoking and he, and it stuck and it's, and he's been 25 years since he smoked a cigarette, I think. Congratulations to him. Yeah. It's so important to appreciate that there has to be a certain readiness to make the change Mm -hmm. that people are prepared, that they really are going to let go of something Mm -hmm. such as cigarettes. And that's why there's actually a pretty, what I would say, low long-term success rate for smokers, Mm -hmm. just because those patterns can be very entrenched. And so the fact that your stepfather was able to do that meant that he really had a commitment to that. And he was working with someone who was really skilled that could go deeply into his internal experience and really unlock that for him Mm -hmm. and create new pathways in his mind. So congratulations to him. Is there any downside to going into your unconscious mind and uncovering things that maybe you didn't know were there or the origin of blocks that maybe you didn't understand? That's a good question. And I'm not really sure how to really answer that, Julie. It's important that as things are uncovered, that you're working with someone who knows how to manage those states. Mm -hmm. Because particularly if you're going back with regard to trauma or deep loss, You need to have someone that you're working with that you trust and that you know that they have the capacity to stay with you in those experiences and move you through and out of them to a different relationship with those memories. Mm -hmm. And that's really how hypnosis serves with regard to the darker experiences in the unconscious. The goal is really to be able to remember a memory, Mm -hmm. to even remember how it felt, but not to re-experience the emotion of it. Mm -hmm. And that's really important in that process. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your book, Freed from Stuck. I love that it, you outline that it's freed from stuck to beyond grief, trauma, and self-sabotage. I think those are like the three main things that probably are affecting people. And grief is a hard thing to, it's multi-layered. It's hard to work through. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I lost seven people in my family in the last year and a half. So there's been some grief there and maybe some self-sabotage in the way that I'm handling the stress of owning multiple companies and dealing with all of this at the same time. So your book outlines a five-step process on how to get freed from stuff. So can you walk us through that process? Absolutely. 
I used the acronym in writing the book of the F-R-E-E-D in relationship to the metaphor of a bridge crossing from stuck to freed from stuck. Mm -hmm. And the F is for face the bridge. What this is, is it's about identifying what the real problem is. And the real problem is very often a pain point or an unmet need. So we need to be able to clearly identify that so that we can put together a strategy with regard to moving forward. The next element is R, which is recognize the bridge. And what this is, it's about looking across the bridge to where we want to be, to the destination. And having a clear picture of what we really believe our life will be like when we get there. Very often, it's not exactly the way we imagine, Mm -hmm. but the imagination is so powerful and is so important in terms of creating a strong, emotionally charged magnet that will compel us across the bridge, especially when the weather gets a little rough in the journey. The first E is embrace the bridge. And what this is about is identifying those blocks and challenges, either externally or internally, that are keeping us from living the way that we want. What's the process of identifying the blocks? Do you walk three people through a process of, of understanding what of the five blocks they're having? Maybe they have all five, maybe they have a couple of them. Is there a process for identifying the blocks? The process is really conversational. It's based upon what the problem was that's been identified. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it can have to do with external. It can have to do with beliefs or it can have to do with emotional states Mm -hmm. or experiences that we've had. And so it's really very much a conversation of exploration. I call it following the breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. And so as we are looking at that, we follow those breadcrumbs and then put together a a plan that makes sense in terms of moving forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was the first E, embrace the bridge, which is identifying the blocks. Yes. And the second one is exit the bridge. And this is the element that we often do not talk about in the change process, but it's so really essential to understand that we need to grieve losses Mm. when we're changing because we're giving up what is no longer serving us. And often we're giving up something that has been, we've experienced as valuable, like your stepfather. He was very attached to smoking. It served a purpose for him. And he had to be willing, not only to experience the loss of that, but to also grieve that. Mm And so it's very important that we do that. And grieving, as you well know, in your experience in this last year and a half, is a messy process. Mm -hmm. And it's the most difficult task that we have as human beings. And to the degree that we love is the degree that we grieve. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that we allow ourselves to attend to that process with compassion and patience and to understand that it's really important in the change process. Mm -hmm. And then the last element is D, which is discover our destiny as we arrive at the destination. And by that, I mean 
that in any change process of transformation, we come to know ourselves better. We have an increased self-awareness. We learn more about what is important to us, what is purposeful, what brings us joy, what we value. And that is what I refer to as our destiny as we arrive at the destination, because it's about really learning more about who we are. And then of course, we know every time we cross the bridge, there's gonna be another bridge and another bridge Mm -hmm. and another bridge because that is the process of our own growth. Is there a timeline? Like this should take this long. Sometimes it takes this long to do these five steps or is it a, there a right or wrong answer? Or like you're going too slow across the bridge or you're getting stuck at one of the E's. Like, is there a time frame that you're supposed to accomplish this crossing of the bridge? No, no. Because I feel like I might drag that shit on. (laughs) It varies with people for lots of reasons, right? We're all on our own journey. Yeah. And part of what is so important is we want to be able to move as quickly and efficiently as we can, right? We want to be able to regulate our journey, Mm -hmm. but we also need to be compassionate and patient and truthful in the journey. And that just varies for people. Some people are more vulnerable, more trusting, more open, more curious, more ready, Mm -hmm. more energized. Others are more tentative, more wounded, more afraid, more limited in some ways. So it just varies with where people are in their own journey. Mm -hmm. Can two things be on one bridge at once, or are you only supposed to tackle one bridge at a time? Well, I've never heard it quite framed like that, Julie, and I love that. No, you know, I I guess there's sort of this multidimensional thing going on there that you're talking about that absolutely we are actually crossing multiple bridges all of the time. And sometimes we have bridges where we go, nope, not going to cross that one today. Right. Yeah, because I feel like in my mind, I'm saying, oh, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. And it's usually like a one thing at a time, but like we are never dealing with one problem at a time. That's true. Our problems are as complex as we are. So do you like, you're like, okay, I'm going to break this problem down into five bridges. (laughs) Well, it's true. What's important, however, is to keep in mind that we can only focus on one bridge at a time. Yeah. So part of what happens for people, particularly if they try to make too many changes too quickly, Mm. that's where it becomes problematic because we can only create a consistent change if we're focusing on it consistently. Yeah. And so how did you get started in what you do? I mean, first, how did you, I would love to know how you became a, a hypnotherapist like what is the process for that but how did you get started with this because it's it all sounds so amazing I originally was working on my master's in education and I wound up in my own therapy during graduate school Mm -hmm. and I found that process to be so fascinating that I actually stayed and got an additional master's in counseling and so Mm -hmm. it changed the trajectory of my work which is why now my work's kind of multifaceted. You know, I I do the counseling and the coaching and the hypnosis and the sex therapy and the 
writing and the teaching and the speaking because it's all kind of flows from that early foundation. But that was really how I got into it. I found that transformation process to really be both interesting and intriguing and very satisfying in the work, which is why I've done it for these number of years. Mm-hmm. And how as does far that- as hypnosis, oh, yeah, yeah, that was nice. It was actually something that I sort of added to my toolbox quite a while back because I wanted to have a resource that would allow me to work with people to go more quickly to the unconscious mind and work at that level. Okay. And so if people are interested in working with you, they know they have a block, they know they have a bridge to cross. What is the best way for people to connect with you, to reach out to you, to learn more information about you? The easiest way, Julie, is for them to go to my website, freedfromstuck.com. Okay. And they can go there. And if they're interested in a consultation, I do a 45-minute consultation at no charge, no obligation. It gives us an opportunity to really look at where the challenges are for them and if it would make sense for us to work together. Mm -hmm. There are also lots of other resources on the website. So that's really the place to go to connect with me. Okay, great. Well, I will put a link to that in the show notes. And I'm so glad we had this conversation. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Julie. It's been an honor. I'm going to be honest. I was most into the hypnosis discussion in this conversation. There are things in the world that I simply find fascinating in hypnosis and the subconscious mind is one of those things, especially since I've been hypnotized before. According to M1 Psychology, most of the problems that affect human beings are unconscious, and unfortunately, it is difficult to control unconscious behavior through conscious effort alone, even if we wanted to. The conscious and the unconscious or subconscious minds have two completely different functions. While the conscious mind is the rational part and is the seat of our wishes, desires, and aspirations, the unconscious or subconscious mind is full of wanted and unwanted programs from early life until now that play over and over again automatically. The subconscious mind represents programming developed from our life experience since childhood what we have learned, as well as other people's experiences and input from sources such as family, teachers, friends, and of course, the media. Habits kick in and we can easily believe we are limited in victims of circumstance that can't change. The solution then is to have the conscious and subconscious mind in more coherence. That seems like a logical thing to do. Somehow get our conscious and subconscious minds on the same track working together for us. Maybe Susie could help us with that. I just think this shit is so interesting. And we only scratched the surface in our discussion about how we can begin to move past being stuck, how we can cross bridges that seem insurmountable, and tackle our default patterns to make lasting change. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a drink. So on to the drink of the week, which if you have listened to this podcast, you know I literally just Googled the theme of the podcast with the word cocktail. And that's where most of these come from. So. For this episode, I googled bridge cocktail, and to my surprise, there were a shit ton of bridge cocktails. Sex on a bridge, love under a bridge, the London Bridge, lots of bridges, lots of cocktails, unfortunately, with really obscure ingredients that none of you are going to have. So I ended up on a cocktail called Brooklyn Bridge. 
named after, of course, the bridge that connects Manhattan and Brooklyn across the East River. According to Drunkers Almanac, you gotta love that, the Brooklyn cocktail itself has a long and twisted history. David Wondrich largely describes it in the Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, where he explains that numerous versions exist, with the only common point being an attempt to rival the more famous Manhattan or Bronx cocktails. This would be one such version, the Brooklyn Bridge. Here's what you're going to need. Two parts Glenfiddich 15-year, half a part Drambouille, half a part dry vermouth, a dash of fig bitters, and a Luxardo maraschino cherry to garnish. What you're going to do is you're going to take a mixing glass, you're going to stir all ingredients with ice, stir, 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 then strain into a Nick and Nora glass or a coupe glass and garnish with a Luxardo cherry. That's all for this week. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, you can find my book, This Shit Works, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or in the show notes below. You can find me on LinkedIn at Julie Brown BD. Just let me know where you found me when you reach out. And I am Julie Brown underscore BD on Instagram. Or you can just pop on over to my website, juliebrownbd.com. Until next week. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.